0: and again. Miss fires. He had Tom Bush, the fullback, wide open, and he
1: threw it over his head. Yeah, it's really on almost the same play that Northwestern just scored on, where people lose track of the fullback, and you're going to see him. He's going to sneak out to the flat, and this is as easy as it gets. And Jake Christensen just floats it over his head, and Jake is not getting it done so far today. He, he's got a, and he might have missed his wake-up call. Because so far not so good for Christensen, missing wide open receivers from five yards away. He is not just 0-4-4, but an ugly 0-4-4. Yeah, and he's over there taking it out on a water cup, stomping on it. He's got that look on his face. He's got to do something. But there's no juice in this Iowa football team right now. They're just standing over there on the sidelines. You know, their heads are down, feeling sorry for themselves a little bit. Somebody's got to wake the Hawkeyes up because if they don't,
2: Wildcats are just going to run up and down the field on them all day. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the weekly football show from HawkeyesMike.com. Last Saturday's game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2 with Pam Ward and Ray Bentley. Certainly not ESPN's best by any stretch of the imagination. Nevertheless, we very much appreciate it and thank them as always. It was deja vu all over again, a tale of two halves, just like last week's game against Michigan State, at least up to the final offensive series of the first half when the Hawks were able to close the gap to 14-7. The Iowa Hawkeyes played horrible offensive football until that point in time, and the defense wasn't much better in the first quarter either. Quarterback Jake Christensen was flat-out awful, unable to hit even short passes. As was the case a week ago, the score was not indicative of how poorly Iowa had actually played and how thoroughly Northwestern dominated the first half. Then during the halftime, head coach Kirk Ferentz apparently came close to a meltdown, fed up with his team's performance and effort, lighting into both the offense and the defense. The Hawks responded by dominating the Wildcats in the second half on both sides of the ball. Christensen had his best half as a Big Ten quarterback. By far, the defense throttled the explosive Wildcats spread offense, the improvement in special teams' play during the Michigan State game continued on this Saturday. This game also represented only the second time in the nine-year Ference era that Iowa won after trailing at the end of three quarters. It was also the Hawks' first road victory of the season and the first Big Ten road victory in seven tries, all of which results in the Hawkeyes needing just one more win to become bowl eligible in 2007, with two wins likely resulting in a bowl bid for either the Champs Sports Bowl in Orlando or the Insight.com. Bowl in Phoenix. Now they have to go back to work, prepare for Minnesota, and then Western Michigan to make all of that happen. Talk about a difference from the first quarter to the fourth. Listen to these stats. In the first quarter, Northwestern had 196 yards to Iowa's 12. The Wildcats had 12 pass completions, while Iowa had zero. In the fourth quarter, Northwestern had only 28 yards in total offense. Their quarterback was sacked five times and intercepted. Once again, Norm Parker's constant personnel rotation resulted in Iowa appearing to become even fresher and more aggressive as the day wore on, throwing all kinds of schemes at the Wildcats. We finally saw Christensen running more plays, where he has a better chance to succeed, and the receivers getting to run some different, and most importantly, deeper routes, which combined to put up some reasonably impressive numbers and points. And the Hawks had nine plays Saturday that went for more than 15 yards each. We talk every week about Iowa's inability to score on its first offensive possession of the game. How about the entire first Prior to Saturday's game, the Hawks had only scored 17 first-quarter points in the entire season. Two touchdowns against Syracuse and a field goal against Purdue. And with no first quarter points against Northwestern, the Hawks have been outscored 44-17 to in their first 10 games this season. That's an awfully big hole to continue putting yourself in with this kind of young offense. Apparently, we finally figured out how to play the second half. It would be great if the game plan and performance would get the Hawks rolling from the start.
3: All party of God's great plan.
0: First down, play action. Christensen has a man and finds him for another first down right Right back to DJK, Darrell Johnson Pulianis with a 13 yard gain and Al- Iowa at least hopes that they're getting
1: more in sync. Yeah, that's two excellent passes in a row from Jake Christensen. Maybe he's kind of shaking off the cobwebs or whatever, and he's got himself in line now because this is a perfect throw. got just enough heat on it, sticks it between the 1 and the 5 of DJK, so maybe Jake Christensen is is heating up a little bit now.
0: Started out 0-4, 0-4-4 rather, his first passes. He's hit 5 of 6 since misfiring on his first four. Christensen with time, goes into the end zone, has a man for the touchdown. Iowa scores as Trey Strauss gathers it in.
1: Boy, and McManus looked like he didn't believe what he was seeing, because his feet stopped and he didn't continue with Strauss, and that made it easy. And that time Christensen was able to put enough touch on the ball to drop it over the defender. And just like that, the Hawkeyes are back in this thing after being basically run over for most of this first half.
0: Badly outplayed, definitely in the first quarter, as Daniel Murray gets the extra point, and it's all of a sudden a 14-7 game.
1: And Jake has heated up four or five in that last drive, but he's outstanding in that two-minute mm-hmm. drill. And I wouldn't be afraid if I was Ken O'Keefe the offensive coordinator to come out and and
2: do that run the no huddle because I think Christensen's more comfortable in that type of milieu. A quick review of game notes and key stats. Iowa's win to Northwestern marks its second straight win and third in four weeks. And for the second straight game, Iowa won after trailing by 14 points in the first half. This win snaps a two-game losing streak to Northwestern. Ryan Donahue had another solid game for the Hawkeyes, including a 76-yard punt in the third quarter. He ended the day averaging 43.6 yards on 10 punts. Mike Humple played with injuries but had a very nice game. He got his third interception on the season and ended the game with 11 tackles. Defensive lineman Adrian Claiborne blocked a Northwestern field goal at the end of the second period, the first block of his career, and a key point in terms of maintaining momentum for the Hawks after their late half score there. Senior running back Albert Young had a nice day. He ended the day with 16 rushes for 59 yards, but that improved his career totals and moved him past Tavian Banks into third place on Iowa's all-time career rushing list. Junior defensive back Bradley Fletcher had yet another very nice game subbing for Adam Shada, he had his first career interception in the fourth period, and he ended the contest with 12 tackles, while Charles Godfrey had his fifth interception of the season. Quarterback Jake Christensen we already talked about, but he ended the day completing 21 of 36 passes for 299 yards, the second best total yardage in his career, after missing on his first four attempts in the opening period. He also had one touchdown pass and no interceptions against Northwestern. That brings his season total to 13 touchdowns and just three interceptions he did have one fumble late in the game. Iowa also scored touchdowns on consecutive possessions in this game. That's the third time in the last two games this fall. Iowa ranks first in the Big Ten and 11th in the nation in turnover margin. They are plus 11 after the game against the Wildcats. And redshirt freshman wide receiver DJK, Darrell johnson culianos had career bests in receptions and yards. He had eight catches for 119 yards. Some of the key stats. First downs, Iowa 18, North Northwestern 24, net yards rushing the Wildcats 116 to Iowa 70, net yards passing Iowa tops that list 299 to 277, total offensive yards pretty close really, the Hawks 369 to Northwestern's 393, total offensive plays there was a gap there, Northwestern had 88 plays to Iowa 70. Possession time pretty close really in the final analysis 28-39 for the Hawks, 31-21 for Northwestern, but if you look at the first quarter versus the second, third, and fourth Quarters in that regards, the Wildcats had a huge domination in the first quarter, 11 15 to 3 45. So the rest of that time, Iowa really dominated or held its own on possession time. Third down conversions, the Wildcats 6 of 16, Iowa's not very good again, 3 of 14. Red zone scoring chances though, the Hawks were 4 for 4, the Wildcats 2 for 3. Iowa gave up six sacks, and it got six sacks. Looking at the Big Ten stats, despite improved numbers in several categories, Iowa is still 11th in total offense. 11th in scoring offense. They did move up to 10th in rushing offense and they maintain their position as 10th in passing offense. First downs are still at 11. Third down conversions, they're 11th. Red zone offense, 11th. And sacks, they lead the league in terms of sacks given up, now at 39. Looking ahead to the Minnesota game, Minnesota is actually 6th in total offense, 9th in scoring offense. But in key defensive stats, they are 11th in scoring defense, 11th in total defense, and they are at the bottom of the Big Ten in terms of turnover margin at a minus 13.
4: Great story. Compelling and rich. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by The Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living. Your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500. Or go to ui.com And by Morgan Stanley, Financial Advisors of Curlville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs.
2: These football programs come to you weekly during the entire season. This week, once again, you'll have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions, and we'll also hear from you, the Iowa fans. We invite you to share your comments each week by calling 866-74-HAWKS. Time now to hear from the coaches for Saturday's game. Kirk Ferentz from Iowa, Tim Brewster from Minnesota. Let's listen to Kirk talk about the win at Northwestern and the upcoming game Saturday against Minnesota.
5: You know, and obviously, uh, again, last week, you know, it was a good win for our football team. We were pleased to get the win, and uh, the the ride home was uh, a lot better than it was two years ago, to say the least. So we're happy about that. We're uh, eager to be home, uh, back home in Kinnick this week and another Big Ten ball game, playing a Minnesota football team that I'm sure would like to have a better record. But, uh, you know, we look at them on tape. They're, They're competing real hard. They're playing playing hard and competing well and they're a lot like us they've got a lot of a lot of older guys playing they've got a lot of younger guys playing too so you know, b- bottom line is that, uh, it's probably a pretty good matchup and i think we're looking at a you know a tough rivalry game big 10 game and as you know with our football team nothing's going to come easy so that's how we're looking at it we're going to need to have a, a great week and hopefully make some progress and improvement and see where we're at on saturday
2: Kirk was asked how he thinks Iowa matches up with Minnesota.
5: Yeah, it's an interesting matchup. Uh, you know, our strength right now is on defense, and theirs is on offense. Their offensive football team's really moving the ball well. They're scoring points, and uh, they're, they're doing a good job. Uh, and the quarterback's playing well for them. The young guy's playing very, very well, uh, both running and passing. So, you know, that, that's probably the strength of their team right now, and uh, that's where their experience, more experience is on that side of the ball. And, and conversely, our defensive guys, uh, uh, same boat. So, uh, and then when you flip it over, uh, you know, they're playing some young guys defensively right now, just like we're playing young guys offensively. And they've got a lot of experience. They've just got some guys in different positions and what have you. So uh, it's going it's to be an interesting thing. But I think the way we're built right now, you know, it's fair to say we'll be unpredictable again for two more weeks, certainly this week.
2: With the challenges the team has had this year, Kirk talks about how big it would be to get to a bowl.
5: It'd be great, but that, that's way down the road right now for us. Right now, I'd, I'd be really happy just to, to, to win this week. You know, that being said, you know it's cliche. You know, we talk about rivalry games, but also I think it's if you look at us hard, you guys have watched us play enough to uh, to know it's going to be a challenge for us. Hopefully, we're smart enough to know that. I mean, it's just the way we are right now, and uh, we're going to have to work extremely hard Saturday to, to hope to get a win. You know, if we can get get there, then we'll worry about the next uh, the next bridge when it's in front of us. But you know, right now we just need to try to win this game and see what happens.
2: This is also Floyd of Rosedale week for the Hawks. Now, Iowa's lost at two of its three trophy games. Kirk was asked if that means this last one is even more important.
5: Yeah, the atrium's a little vacant up there right now. Uh, If you walk through there, uh, there's plenty of room to sit down, so yeah, I mean, it'd be nice. It'd be nice for that reason, certainly, and uh, you want to win all your trophies. You want to win every game you're involved with trophies or no trophies, but I've told this story probably every year. I mean, I I never knew what Floyd meant until 81 when uh, those guys came across the field. I don't know what the heck they were doing. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of guys sprinting over to our bench, and that's when I learned what what that meant. You know, so anybody that's been involved in a game like this, and it's probably true of every rivalry game, you know, you just it means something. You know, you don't want to you don't want to give that up. And you know, we lost them, and uh, we, we got to try to get it back.
2: Kirk talks about whether there was a sense of urgency for the seniors these last few weeks.
5: I think they've been that way all, all the way through. I don't think anything's changed. Their their resolve has been really good. You know they—they never wavered, uh, haven't wavered, Uh, good or bad. They've been the same, and uh, I think that's—that's what makes them a good group. You know they really—they've been straight through all the way uh, through this thing, and they were good in December too. Obviously, I mean it wasn't just our seniors. You know the guys that were juniors last year. So they have been strong. I mean they've really gone. And uh, I I was saying that you know even though we were getting our our butts kicked pretty good, I mean the the thing I was seeing was a group that uh, was—you know—they're staying positive and they're working hard. You know, certain things you can't control, but that you can. And if if you're doing that right, then, you know, maybe something good will happen. And I think that's, you know, we've had a couple weeks where that's happened. But it hasn't been easy. It won't be easy.
2: Turning to first-year Minnesota head football coach Tim Brewster, Brewster talks about the Gophers' loss to Illinois and the upcoming game against Iowa.
6: You know, it's another tough game in the Big Ten. We're coming off a tough loss to a, to a really good University of Illinois football team. Uh, uh, just really, uh, you know, I thought Illinois played a great game against us. Uh, we just didn't do a very good job against, uh, you know, their running attack. And Richard Mendenhall and Isaiah Williams, uh, you know, really did a nice job. And so, uh, you know, we're coming off that tough loss. But we're really excited about the game um, against the University of Iowa. You know, it's a trophy game for us. Uh, we play for the Floyd of Rosedale. It's a it's a uh, pig that uh, we have here in the Twin Cities, and it's something that's very very important to uh, Minnesotans. And so it uh, it provides us great excitement this week in our preparation. Uh, Iowa's an outstanding football team. You know, they're coming they're coming off uh, two really great second half performances. They played extremely well in the second half against Michigan State two weeks ago uh, and got the win. And uh, and then they come back last week and just did an outstanding job uh, uh, against Northwestern in the second half. Uh, Kirk Ferentz is a guy that I've known for a long time and just have uh, the utmost respect for. Uh, Norm Parker, his defensive coordinator, is a great man, been around forever, and and they're playing excellent defense. And so, uh, you know, it's it's an excellent Iowa Hawkeye team. They're just so well coached. you know, it's going to be a tremendous challenge for us Saturday. Furster
2: talks about how frustrating it's been to go through a season like this.
6: You know, I have prepared for a long time as an assistant coach, and fortunately, I was through a situation like this at the University of North Carolina where we came in. Uh, uh, I went in with Mac Brown and, and had back-to-back one in ten seasons before we really got that program going, and so, you know, I understand change is hard. I'm a very, very optimistic person and coach. We've got a great staff here, and and we all understand. And that you know the first year uh, in programs can be very difficult, and this one has been very difficult. It's been very painful for us all. Uh, but we understand there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, this program's going to be great again. We're we're recruiting uh, very very well. You know we just understand that we're doing the right things each and every day to make this program a, a championship caliber program again.
2: Brewster was asked what he's learning this year as a head coach that will make Minnesota better next season. Again, it just you know has to do with organization.
6: You know everything you know you're going through. We're going through for the first time as a staff. I mean, I've gone through the organization and setup of, of of seasons for 21 years as an assistant coach, but for the first time, it's you know, it's all in my lap. And so, you know, I think next year, as we get into our second year. Uh, the biggest thing is going to be uh, that our football team is going to understand exactly what we want, uh, what we're asking of our football team as we go into spring practice. Uh, we instituted a totally new system offensively, defensively, in the kicking game. I mean, it was it was there was nothing even close to being similar to what was done here in the past. And so again, that's very hard. That's very hard on the kids. But from a coaching perspective, I think you know we're 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 all on the same page. We know exactly the direction we want to go, and I think. It'll be much more comfortable for the players, and that's the biggest issue is
2: just the comfort level of of the players. Brewster talks about the emphasis on the trophy games. It put
6: tremendous importance on the trophy games, and, you know, we we finish with two just unbelievable rivalry games here uh, with Iowa this week and then with Wisconsin the following week uh, for Paul Bunyan's action. So, you know, these these are games, these are trophies that are so important to all Minnesotans, and we put a tremendous emphasis on those games. And so, you know, again, like I said, we have the Florida Rosedale right now and it's prominently displayed uh, in our player lounge and you know we'd like to be able to get all those trophies and uh, uh, also you know it's it's also very prominent when you don't have one of the trophies and you see the display without the trophy in it.
2: Following our first caller you'll hear from former Hawkeye All-American and All-Pro tight end Marv Cook.
7: Hey, it's Brett from Madison. I just wanted to
2: comment on the uh,
7: Northwestern game, watching it from the TV perspective and not from the live perspective. I thought the Hawks certainly played much better in the second half. Obviously, like everybody else, the one thing that I did like, obviously, is they came out with a bit more spirit and more passion in the second half and started hitting people, particularly putting pressure on C.J. Bechet, which in turn caused him to start to lose a little bit of focus. And, and the other thing that I liked is it seemed to me that they opened it up a bit more and throwing it around, even on some short passes, which I think opened up the long game. And hopefully, in turn, this is going to open up their running game for us at some point. I still think we need uh, certainly some improvement there. Hopefully, the Hawks will uh, play well. They need to come out with the passion in the first half, like they've done in the second half uh, of the past two games. And I think we can take it to both Minnesota and Western Michigan and go Hawks. That's good.
4: HawkeyesMike.com, something new. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time.
2: We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly stint on HawkeyesMike.com. Marv, your takeaway from Saturday's game?
8: Tale of two halves, kind of like the week before with Michigan State. Um, uh, just a lot like the Michigan State game where I thought first half they didn't play very well at all and uh, second half they came out and played really well. So the good thing is is they are making adjustments. They are doing what they have to do to win. And wins in the Big Ten are good no, no matter who they're against. I think it's uh, it's a sign that this team is starting to make the necessary adjustments that they need to make and having the success that they need to have.
2: Did you ever encounter something like this as a player where it continued over a multiple game span, the slow starts in the first half and then being able to turn it on in the second?
8: Yeah, I, I yeah, I think when you are transitioning and you are starting to turn the corner and make things in a positive light, you're gonna have good moments, you're gonna have bad moments and, and when you're a young team you're gonna make mistakes and, and have times when you do things really well. So I think that's exactly what we're seeing. But the good thing is is they're putting it together at the right time and you know, if you're going to play poorly, it's better to play poorly in the first half because you can recover in the second half, which is what they've been doing.
2: Jake Christensen kind of had another one of those Jekyll and Hyde performances. You know, really, really poor first quarter. Most of the second quarter began to pick it up. The solid drive at the end of the first half and then much improved play in the second.
8: I, I think continued growth with the whole offense, continued growth. I mean, you got to keep reminding ourselves that this is his is You know, he's still looking at 10 or 12 or 15 starts and college football so I mean he's still uh, progressing and learning and and with the influx of new players in and out of the system you know little things like cutting your yard uh, you know cutting your route a yard short those kind of things make a big difference as far as timing and throwing the ball you need to throw but uh, I think protection is getting a little bit better and uh, balls probably getting out a little bit quicker so uh, you know combination of things I think is what's making the difference
2: Both Jake and the entire offense, as a matter of fact, had to come out with a lot more confidence after that game at Northwestern. What do you expect to see this Saturday?
8: You know, continued improvement. I mean, hopefully Minnesota gives us a chance to really kind of open up the playbook a little bit, do some things, and keep continuing to develop the offense with these players, playing to players' strengths. You know, I think one of the things they're trying to do as a staff is really figure out what each player's strengths are and try to play to those strengths. And, um, you know, hopefully you'll see more big plays out of some of these guys some pretty good uh, performances by the young wide receivers. You know, we've talked about it numerous times. That, that, you know, first, second, third string really in Big Ten football is not that way anymore. It's 1A, 1B, and 1C, and you may be the third guy in the rotation, but yet, you know, you're still a pretty darn good player. And, and I think that's what we're seeing here with these these young players. So. It's just exciting to see them get in there, and when they get in there, they're starting to take advantage advantage of their opportunity.
2: Norm did even more personnel rotation, almost constant on the defensive side of the ball. Almost looked like he was running some more aggressive styles of uh, defensive sets. First time I remember in a while also, this much success against a pretty decent version of the spread offense. What did you see, and how much you think uh, this is now having to do with Iowa's success, especially later in the games? Very much so.
8: I mean, I think when you... You know, if you face these teams that are substituting, the reason they're substituting personnel is they're trying to create mismatches. Uh, They're trying to get a quick player against a big player or you know, a strong player versus a weak player. And so by matching up with these teams, by switching up our personnel to match up with them, you you take away their advantage a lot of times and you put your strength into their strength. So it, it evens the balance of the playing field a little bit. And I think we, we've done a good job of that probably the last five or six weeks. I think that the schemes are getting more comfortable with you know the dime package, the nickel package. It takes a while to get used to those packages and the blitzes off of them. So I think the players that are coming in in those roles are now starting to feel more comfortable with where they need to be on the field and, and they're performing uh, and doing what coaches are telling them. To do.
2: Last week, when we discussed the keys to the Northwestern game, we talked about shutting down Northwestern's running game, making them one-dimensional. Boy, Did that really happen? Especially in the third and fourth quarters, and Iowa, just teed off on them.
8: Talk to Coach Parker. That's the one thing he will always say: is he wants to make a team one-dimensional. If they can stop the run and make them have to throw every single time, they feel like they got a good. They put the advantage back in their their court, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, you know, I thought the Northwestern quarterback looked at times in the second half looked flustered. He didn't. He looked confused, and I think that's just a good. Job by the Iowa defense of changing up coverages, running underneath some things that they thought they had, and uh, you know a couple of those picks were well-executed defensive plays.
2: As a coach, I assume you have to be very selective when you launch into a tirade at your players, and timing obviously also a key there. What do you make of Kirk's reported halftime performance? How much do you think that had to do with the play in the second half?
8: Yeah, you'd like to think it doesn't have that much to do with it other than if he's got a good point, you know, and I think he might have some good points and, and he is guarded from that standpoint that he's not going to, you know, he's not going to speak out of turn. He's going to tell you what he thinks and if he believes it probably rock solid as far as uh, his opinion. So, uh, I think when it when you carry that kind of clout and when you do express yourself like that, it has more meaning. Versus just having the tirades every single week or every single you know practice. Uh, I mean, and the one I think the one coach, Ferran's traits that I like is just that he's able to keep his team on an even keel. So when you are down in a game, you can. Overcome it. You're not panicked. You're not spooked. You're not you're not overexcited. Things like that. You have an even keel throughout, whether you're up 20 or down 20. And I think that's his main strength. But yet, when he does speak up, I think it carries a ton of uh, of weight, and, and obviously, it had a big impact on the uh, the way the team came out and played the second half.
2: Do you think that will stick with the players going into the next couple of games?
8: I don't think it's Coach Ferris's personality to be that way. I mean, unless the team is not doing something right and he's frustrated with it. The lesson that they will learn is is that you know there's a way to do things and a way not to do things and if you do things the wrong way it's going to be corrected it's going to be pointed out but hopefully the players will use that as a learning experience to make sure that that doesn't happen again and so coach Ferris doesn't have to get after him like that
2: what do you think the mindset of this iowa team is right now with some real success finally in the last couple of weeks
8: I think it should be very exciting. I mean, this is a, you know, they got a chance to be 7-5, which is, you know, in the Big Ten is always a pretty good deal. And when you look at the injuries and, and I mean, I, you know, we don't like to talk about that stuff but the young team and stuff. But I think the way the season started and to be able to finish up 7-5 would be a great thing. That would be, definitely make them a bowl team, a well-deserved bowl team from my, my attitude, just the way they progressed and the way they played down the stretch.
2: Another solid day for freshman punter Ryan Donahue. Well,
8: you know, just getting better. I mean, just a young guy that's, Probably getting those, uh, you know, I call them like dishpan eyes. You know, when you're a freshman playing, you have the big eyes when you're out there. And I think he's starting to settle into his groove a little bit, getting a little bit more comfortable, get his timing down, mechanics down. You know, he'll just continue to get better and better and better.
2: I'm getting a little itchy right now because fans in the media, all seem to pretty much be assuming Iowa's going to win out its last two games against Minnesota and Western Michigan and go to a decent bowl game. Given the experience this team has had this year, you certainly hope the players don't at this point become overconfident or take anything for granted. How do you think the coaching staff will make sure there's no letdown going into these next two games?
8: I I think the one thing that I've seen the last couple weeks that I really like is the leadership. I mean, guys like Albert Young really stepping up, uh, becoming more vocal. And I, I think it becomes, it becomes the senior's responsibility to some extent. I think coaches are gonna do what they do and get the game plan ready and prepare the players, but at some point it comes, with, you know, the players gotta play the games. The players gotta be the ones that show up to practice. The players gotta be the ones that take care of business on and off the football field. And I, I think the one thing that I've really been pleased with is the way Albert Young, specifically Albert Young, has really stepped up and taken a leadership role with his team.
2: Your keys to the Minnesota game?
8: Well, it'd be nice to play a good first half. It uh, would be a good start for him. But, I mean, go out and just, you know, take care of business. establish the run. Uh, get Albert Young involved in the game plan. Uh, get the offensive line going. You know, create second, short, third, and short opportunities for the offense. And uh, defensively, just keep playing. Just keep getting after it. Uh, obviously Minnesota hadn't had much success don't let them get success don't let them start having some confidence you know if you have a, an inferior team down you in my opinion you kind of want to stay on them not let them build their confidence up if our defense can keep the pressure on them I think they'll have a good chance to do a good job against them and keep them out of the end zone a lot and, and then offensively just kind of keep the momentum that they've been building over the second half so the last two games and and to have that mindset going into the game I think they'll be okay any other thoughts Fun to watch the games again. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, not the first halves haven't been the fun the last two weeks, but the way they've been able to come out in the second half and really dominate the games, I thought, for the most part. I mean, dominate time of possession, dominate ball control, you know, control the line of scrimmage has really been a, a fun thing to watch.
2: Another call then coming up, award-winning Iowa City Press Citizen sports reporter and columnist Pat Hardy. Next, Sean calls in from Iowa City.
6: Looking forward to this week's game against the Gophers, uh, they have the uh... One of the worst defenses in college football and I'm looking forward to seeing what Jake can do against that. Hopefully we'll finally get to see the real Jay Christiansen come out and he can just tear him to pieces. That'd be nice. And I like, I like how he finally turned the corner. It finally seems like there's some consistency going on. Finally got back-to-back wins we hadn't done all season, except at the beginning. But I think they're going to be. I think it's going to be a good games. I think the Hawks are going to kill him. That's my, my hope. And I'm really, I'm looking forward to next season too. Have classes with a couple of the players from what they say the team's looking, team's getting better each practice, and they're all excited about next season too. More talented. To Looking forward to hearing and heaven there is no beer and seeing Floyd back in his rightful home in Iowa City.
0: Young gets a hole in the
1: end zone. Terrific run by Albert Young for the Hawkeye touchdown. Wow, what great patience that Young has and that's what everyone who, who talked to us about his running style talked about the patience and then therefore the gap control had to be disciplined for the Wildcats. Not the case on that play as Young kind of stutters in the hole, lets that thing open up and then hits the gas pedal and away he goes and we got us a tie ball game. I never would have thought that'd be the case after that first quarter. For a 16 yard touchdown run for Young
0: and the extra point ties this game up. Daniel Murray hitting it, and Albert Young maybe perhaps on his way to another great second half. Brings up a first and goal. Damian Sims gives Iowa its first lead of the day.
1: Great block from his fullback, Tom Bush, cleaning up the outside contain, and that allowed Sims to punch it in. So Trey Strass setting that up with the 53-yard
0: reception. The longest offensive play of the year for the Hawkeyes and Pat Fitzgerald's team, once up 14-nothing. is now down 21-17. Sims has a lot of
1: territory in front of him and he goes in for the touchdown. His second score today. the day. Boy, And Sims is just so quick he's able to make plays because Prince Katang had a blitz and he was coming, and I gotta think, if Albert Young was running the football on that play, Katang might have been able to make the play. But not with Sims in there, he cuts too quickly, sees it upfield, and gets past the blitz into the end zone.
0: Extra point by Murray, as Iowa has padded its lead now to 28-17. They have outscored Northwestern 21-3 in the second half.
1: Second week in a row that the Hawkeyes came out in the first half and just played abysmally. But then rallied the troops late in the second quarter, got fired up at halftime and came out and got it done in the second half. And I don't know what Kurt Ferentz is saying at halftime, but it must be pretty dang good. Because this is two weeks in a row,
4: he's totally turned around the mentality and attitude of his football team. Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. Be among the first to make your voice heard on HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS to express your opinions and join our guest experts on weekly podcasts.
2: We welcome back Pat Hardy. You can read Pat's articles in the Press Citizen and on Hawk Central had a very nice win for the Hawks on Saturday. Your takeaway from that game? I think the team is
3: slowly but surely growing into something respectable. I think you're seeing the passing attack finally starting to gel a little bit. Jake's getting more confident. I'm hoping that maybe that first half, at least the first quarter, was the low point of this season and now these players realize what it takes to play a full 60 minutes. But I think now they realize that they can pass against... Northwestern's not a great team, but it's a decent team and it's in the Big Ten and I just think it was a time of growth. That's why I look at that second half, you could just see the
2: team growing. Once again, we had that sort of weird first half or at least first quarter no-show, the Ferenc halftime tirade at the players, then pretty much domination by the Hawks in the second half. All right, maybe he needs to throw his tirade before the game. I'm not sure what it is because eventually,
3: like Jake Christian said, it's going to come back and catch up with them. They can't afford to do this. And, you know, they need to come out with that same sense of urgency they seem to do in the second half. I think they will Saturday, too. I think being at home is going to be a big part of it, and I... I think they're going to come out and establish the run and maybe get that little late
2: start monkey off their back. Christiansen did another one of these flip-flop performances. Pretty bad in the first quarter, not so good most of the second quarter. Then the nice touchdown drive at the end of the first half and and really very good play. Best play of his career so far at Iowa in that second half
3: receivers just started getting open. I don't know if they were running different routes or if they saw something in the Northwestern defense, but first couple of series, he did overthrow some people and miss some receivers, but just receivers started getting open suddenly downfield, and I think once he completed that pass to Trey Strauss, it seemed to really open
2: things up for the touchdown. I think his confidence grew, and I think he just like a pitcher. I just think he got in a little groove. Jake had to come out of there with a lot more confidence. How likely is it that you think this will carry forward both for Jake and the entire offense this coming Saturday against Minnesota?
3: I think he's going to come out and play okay on Saturday, but I think a large part of that's because they're at home there's a lot riding on the game and Minnesota's horrible. I still think it's too early to just say Jake's the answer but I think he's showing that there is some hope.
2: The young wide receivers are really beginning to gel nicely.
3: Well that's the reason I'm really optimistic. For some reason this season's starting to remind me of 2001. Not saying that they're going to come back and do what the 2002 team did but you really see a young nucleus really starting to grow with the receivers and Christian Ballard and Adrian Clay run on the defensive line you really see a lot of your freshmen and sophomores contributing which to me with the schedule next year I look at next year as really being a chance for them to have a good year
2: Norm continued what we've been looking at more and more the last two or three weeks had almost constant Personnel rotation it also in this game looked like he was even more aggressive than he's been and had some real success against the spread that Northwestern runs how much do you think all of this is having to do with the hawk success especially later in these ball games
3: I think it's having a lot to do with a success later in the game because the players aren't fatigued and I think Norm and the coaches finally have confidence in the young guys. Um, Coach Ferencz made a response about Claiborne and Ballard after the game saying that they now believe that they belong here and I think they maybe they had some confidence issues with those guys before to where they weren't comfortable putting out there but now I think they know those guys are confident and I think they're confident in them and it's working now. They've got a lot of fresh players.
2: Iowa was very effective after the first quarter of entirely shutting down Northwestern's running game making them one-dimensional uh, and then it allowed the Hawks defense to really tee off on the Wildcats.
3: Yeah, I think once you do that and you force the teams to pass, I'm not sure what was going on there in that first quarter. I mean, they they ran that spread offense. The holes were huge, but it's just like I don't know if they made any major strategy changes. I just think the players just said enough and just finally got physical, started winning the battles up front, and then once they shut down the running attack, they knew Northwestern was one-dimensional. You notice then it was a
2: lot easier to defend the pass. Bradley, Fletcher had another very nice, very solid performance against Northwestern. Given the success the defense is having and particularly the kind of statistics and performance Fletcher's turning in, do you think Shada will or Shada get his starting job back when he's healthy again?
3: My guess is knowing the coaches the way I do I bet he will get his starting job back should that's another matter I think the way Fletcher's playing right now it's hard to he had 13 tackles, I think, two pass breakups, and a interception against Northwestern. I think he's bigger and more physical than Shada, but the coaches see him every day in practice. It wouldn't surprise me. But if Shada's got one of these injuries where it's a nagging injury for the rest of the year, to where they're not sure, then I think then I think Fletcher will stay in there. But if it's one of these where Shada's 100 healthy, I just see them putting him back. But I see Fletcher playing
2: more though now. We've talked about this before, but what do you what do you make of Kirk's reported halftime performance? Performance And how much do you think that had to do with the play of the Hawks in the second half?
3: I think it probably had a little bit to do with it. Kirk always tried to, tries to downplay his influence. I just think he was fed up and embarrassed. I mean, I was fed up with watching that team. I mean, the Northwestern's an okay team, but they just there's no reason an Iowa football team should allow themselves to be pushed around. They were, and I think Kirk was embarrassed, and I think he knew the season was on the brink right there, and he had to do something, and it worked.
2: Thinking back over your years working at the Press Citizen, do you remember another incident like this under Kirk, or any, for that matter, under Hayden
3: Well they had the situation up in Minnesota last year but that was after the game where he went off with Hayden I didn't I don't really remember him I didn't cover Hayden as much. I mean, I covered Hayden for six or seven years. I don't remember Hayden ever saying anything or the players coming out and saying anything about him having a big tirade. But I think Hayden was more animated than Kirk to begin with. So I think with Kirk, it was such an extreme change from what he normally is. That's why I think this is so unusual. But the Minnesota
2: game last year, I think he got pretty upset too. Do you think that will stick with the players and carry forward into the, both the Minnesota and Western Michigan games? I would think so because I would think that they would like to avoid
3: being ripped by their coach. That can't be any fun. I think they know where he's coming from now, and I the players realize that they have to be accountable for what goes on on the field and i hopefully this will be one of those things we look back on
2: and say remember that tirade against northwestern that was a turning point look what they're doing now as a reporter right now with this team finally having some solid success what do you think their mindset is right now
3: i think they're more confident i think they're happy i think when you're happy it's more fun working out and practicing i just think the whole team has to be uplifted, but more importantly, I just think a lot of the young players are confident now. I think they realize that they do, they can compete at this level. Another very nice day for Ryan Donahue. Ryan Donahue is was showing why he was a USA Today. First team all American punter. He did get one bad punt off but it didn't really hurt him that bad. But if he can average 43 to 50 yards per punt, then they've got a major weapon right there.
2: Speaking of punting, have you seen many punting plays run like Northwestern was doing Saturday? That almost sort of rugby-style kick that they were utilizing, as bizarre it looked, it was pretty effective.
3: I think when you have the spread offense like that and you're more of a finesse team, I don't think there's a lot of Big Ten teams that do that, but I think it probably does happens more around the country. But no, it's that's Northwestern's strategy. I know they can't just run it down your throat because they don't have that kind of talent. They've got a system that's unique to their players, and I think in the second half they were trying some more misdirection because they were trying to find anything that would work and it just the Iowa they had it
2: they were Iowa had them scouted. It makes me nervous here now when the fans and the media everyone's just assuming Iowa's gonna win these next two ball games and close out seven and five go to a decent bowl we all hope that's the case but I, I know this coaching staff has historically been pretty good a, against preventing letdowns.
3: This is where I think Ferentz is good I mean I know they had some trouble last year and they've had some trouble this year but I think Coach Ferentz is so focused on the next task at hand to where he's not going to let the players drift. He's not going to let them get a big head. And you know, they really shouldn't get a big head. They're five and five. They're still below 500 in the Big Ten. He could really
2: tear them down if he wanted to. And I think if he senses that the players are getting confident, too confident, he'll take care of it. But I don't think that's going to be a problem. Given everything that's happened this season and how this team has finally begun to gel, assuming they do win the next two games, can you make an argument that this team is probably more deserving of a bowl bid than last year's Iowa team? Oh,
3: yeah, I, I think you can, yeah. I mean, because bowl teams, they always say they want to catch, they want to invite teams that are hot. Last year's team wasn't hot by any means. Yeah, I think if this team goes 7 and 5, well, first of all, it'll have a better record than last year's team. And yeah, I think it
2: would deserve to be in because it will have won five out of its last six games, too. Once again, our weekly question, your assessment of the team now at this point? I think the team has turned the corner that I didn't
3: think it was gonna be turning here after the Penn State game. It's proven me wrong. I think this just goes to show why Coach France never panics, how he kind of stays the course. And he, when he sees the media panicking and what have you, he just kind of sticks to it because I think he believes in their philosophies. And I think he realizes that if you do things the right way, eventually it's gonna work out. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think this team is turning the corner. and I think they're setting the stage maybe to have a pretty good year next year.
2: Your keys to the Minnesota
3: game. Run the ball early. Don't give up any stupid big plays. Minnesota still has has a good receivers and some good running backs, and what have you, but Minnesota's run defense is horrible. I think they need to get ahead early and just control the tempo from there. Cause I think once they get ahead and show that they can pass too, that Minnesota, then they should be able to run the ball too. I would think that Iowa should be able to score four touchdowns against Minnesota.
2: Any other thoughts, Pat?
3: I didn't think they would be five and five at this stage. I'm surprised that they've been able to weather this storm. And I think it's kind of neat seeing the, the youth combined with the veterans, how they're kind of helping this team. And I'm, I'm a lot more excited about the now and the future than I was two weeks ago.
4: It's here. Hawkeyes Mike is for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. It's Hawk Sports Talk Radio on the Internet. Your chance as a Hawkeye fan to make your voice heard on men's and women's sports weekly on hawkeyesmike.com.
2: Just a reminder that following every football game, questions will be posted on hawkeyesmic.com. You can respond to those or offer whatever comments you like. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. To have your comments included in the next show, please call by Tuesday evening. Just call 866-74-HAWKS. The new podcast should be available for listening or downloading later on Wednesdays. Again, just call 866-74-HAWKS
4: and make your voice heard. Hawkeyes Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS.
2: Looking ahead to the Minnesota game, Iowa's record now stands at 5-5 overall, 3-4 in the conference. Minnesota 0-6 in the Big Ten and 1-9 overall, their only win in a non-conference game earlier in the year against Miami of Ohio in three overtimes. Last year, Minnesota won up at the Metrodome 34-24 in a game where Ferentz lit into his players for their poor play in the post-game locker room meeting. Last week, as we know, Iowa beat Northwestern 28-17 and Illinois whipped Minnesota 35-17. Iowa faces a Minnesota team that has certainly given them problems from time to time, including last year in that very painful loss. Minnesota's offense has been reasonably effective on occasion this season, and it has pretty good personnel, especially at the wide receiver position, and it has the capability to put up a fair number of points on the board. But the Golden Gophers' biggest problems this year have revolved around their defense. With the improvement we've seen from the Hawkeyes' offense the last couple of weeks, I'd be shocked if Iowa can't put up some pretty decent numbers on Saturday. You would certainly hope and expect the improvement and confidence shown by Jake Christensen especially and the entire offense last Saturday to carry over into this Minnesota game. I think it's another especially important game for Jake to show himself, his coaches, and the teammates and fans that what we saw last Saturday in Evanston is the real deal and will only get better going forward. Iowa's defense also seems to be feeding off of the improvement in the young offense. And with Norm Parker's continued rotation of the younger players, combined with some more aggressive schemes, I expect the D to come out Saturday particularly fired up to play the Gophers. And remember, Minnesota is last in the Big Ten in turnover margin. As Coach Ference has repeatedly said, nothing is going to come easy for this Hawkeye team. Nevertheless, I'm hoping Saturday's home game against rival Minnesota for the Pig might not be quite the barrier and challenge, that we face the last two weeks, if only because I expect the Hawks to come out and play a full four quarters of football against Minnesota. And if they do that, and play reasonably well, they should come away with a victory, considering all of Minnesota's problems this Big Ten season. But let's make sure we take nothing for granted here. The Hawks still have a chance, if everything else breaks right, to finish as high as a tie for third place in the Big Ten this season. That would be really remarkable. The Hawks win this one, It should be three in a row in the Big Ten, six and six on the season, officially bowl eligible, and then the team can begin preparing for the regular season finale against Western Michigan. And then perhaps fans can start laying out their wardrobe for a little warmer climate towards the end of the year. Plus, Floyd of Rosedale can shed those extra blankets and will be safely ensconced in Iowa City for at least the next year.
1: Every time I say, hey, your defense played well, well, we slopped around
2: and we fell <laughs> yeah. down. And they tripped
1: over us. Right. <laughs> if it was only that simple. Another
0: takedown, another sack for the Iowa defense. Adrian Claiborne that time getting in on the action. So, Northwestern looking like world beaters as they scored touchdowns in two of their first three possessions. 196 yards of offense in the first quarter. But then I guess you could say they hawkeyed up at Iowa. And they're going to come away with the victory as Bechet is hit right when he throws the ball. And that'll do it. Iowa wins it by the final of 28-17. <laughs>
2: Our thanks again to ESPN2 for the game highlights. Thanks to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy, and of course to our callers. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard. 866-74-HAWKS That's 866-74-HAWKS We encourage new callers, phone into Hawkeyes Mike. make yourself heard, then listen to yourself on the show, and invite your family and friends to listen and call in too. It's all Hawkeyes, all the the time on HawkeyesMike.com for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of HawkeyesMike.com and Enlightened Vision, LLC.